Awesome, 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 awesome. So glad that you all are here this morning. Love, love, love baptism weekend. Such a big deal as people take their next steps. It's so excited for what God is doing in the life of our church. And um, I was looking at those of you who registered ahead of time for baptisms, and I'm going to give you an opportunity today, even if you didn't come planning to get baptized, to make that decision today before, uh, before you go home. I'm going to try to make a strong case for it, actually, uh, out, of the, out of what the Word says. And so there is a chance, I don't know, and it's not, it's not a big deal if it doesn't happen, but it would be kind of cool. There is a chance that today we water baptize more people than we've ever baptized in a single Sunday here at, at True Life. So I, I'm kind of hoping, like I'm kind of hoping that it's all right if we don't, but I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest, I kind of hope we do. It'd be kind of fun. Um, uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Before we get to that, though, I'm also excited about next weekend, um, and I, I know that there's a lot of different opinions about holidays like the one that we have next weekend, because some people think they were just created by greeting card companies to make money, and I get all of that. But I'm, I'm all about honor. Anytime we get to honor somebody worthy of honor, let's just do it. You know, the Bible says to give honor where honor is due, and if anybody's worthy of honor, it's our mamas, right? And next weekend is Mother's Day, and we get to celebrate all the, all the moms in our life. And, uh, and one of the things we always do here at True Life on Mother's Day is we give you an opportunity for child dedications. And um, which is kind of a misleading name, actually. Uh, it's really not about the child, it's about the family. And child dedication is an opportunity for you parents to stand in front of your church family, your spiritual family on the stage and, um, and kind of make a commitment to raise your children in a Christ-centered, God-honoring home, to do the very best you can with that. We know it's hard work, uh, and that's why you need a spiritual family to be a part of it with you, and then Amanda and I and, and our team, we, we pray over you and send you home to get to work, all right? And so uh, if you'd like to participate in that, you can sign up at truelife.church forward slash child dedications, and um, I've heard our team say we're going to have some fancy stuff going on in the, in the church just to celebrate Mother's Day with you and all of that next weekend, and uh, it's going to be fun, all right? You're going to want to be here, because you know, church is better with sugar, and so there's going to be some of that. Uh, going on next weekend. You'll, you'll want to be here uh, to be a part of that. Okay, I'm not going to talk very long, and if you call True Life home, my message today will be a little different than um, what I would normally do on a Sunday. I, I really felt compelled, uh, because we're in this series right now called The Church. We've been studying the earliest followers of Jesus. You can read all about them in the book of Acts, and we've been studying how they kind of captured this beautiful momentum in their, in their lives, and we've been just kind of studying that and figuring out, okay, well, how can we kind of create some movement in our own spiritual journey and, and, and learn what it really means to follow Jesus? There's a lot we can learn by studying those early believers, that early church, and, uh, and so we've been hanging out in, in Acts for the last couple weeks, and, and today we're just going to talk about that in the context of water baptism. In fact, I've titled the message today, the baptized church, the baptized church. And um, I mean, I just, doesn't that sound churchy and spiritual? I mean, it feels right. Just, it just kind of rolls off the tongue, right? No? Okay. All right. Well, it did for me. Uh, and uh, so I want to start by looking at Acts chapter 2, where there's this amazing story unfolding. Uh, if you've not read it, if you're not familiar with it, um, the, the four gospels end with Jesus ascending to heaven, but he tells the, his followers, he says, go to Jerusalem and wait. Uh, for the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and visit you there. And so they go to Jerusalem and they wait in this upper room. 
And sure enough, the Holy Spirit shows up there, uh, says little tongues of fire came and, and, and rested over their heads, which I still wish, like I could have been there to see that. That just sounds so cool. And um, so that the fire, and then they begin to actually, the Holy Spirit begins to help them speak in uh, other languages, other tongues, uh, which is huge because the, the city of Jerusalem is full of people who have come to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, and they actually hear uh, these guys who are not all that schooled, not all that learned, uh, giving glory and praise to God in their native languages. So you imagine that you come to a foreign city and all of a sudden people who shouldn't know how to speak your language are speaking your language and they're giving glory to God. And so this crowd gathers trying to figure out like what is going on. In fact, some of them even make fun of them. They're like, we think they're drunk. And then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, steps out and addresses the crowd. And I love this moment for Peter because if you follow Peter's story, Peter's always the first one to talk. And usually as soon as he opens his mouth, his foot is in it. Can anybody relate? I know I certainly can. But now Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, for the first time ever, not for the first time ever, but, but for one of the first times we see in Scripture, he opens his mouth, he begins to communicate to the crowd about Jesus. He says, hey, y'all, we're not drunk. It's like nine in the morning. We're not, that's not what's happening here. And he begins to communicate what is happening, and he begins to communicate about Jesus, the Messiah. And, and the, the crowd is like, they're leaning in. They're compelled to listen. In fact, the Bible says in Acts 2.37 that Peter's words pierced their hearts. Have you ever had that happen? You ever had like a moment where like God's trying to get your attention and something just grabs your heart and you're like, oh my goodness, this is the truth. Like I needed, I needed to hear that. That's for me. And that's what happens to, to the crowd here. It says his words pierced their heart. And so they say to him and the other apostles, all right, what do we do? P Peter, what do, what do we do? And Peter responds, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be, come on y'all, that's in the yellow. Repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized. There you go, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And I'm gonna show you an interesting fact about the word baptized here in just a second. Then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and this promise is to you, to your children and to those far away and all who have been called by the Lord our God. And I just really felt compelled today to take all of the preaching time, the teaching time, and just make sure we really understand what this whole baptism thing is all about. I've not really ever done this. Um, I've kind of given you one-liners here and there, but I'm gonna dedicate all of the time today to, to making sure we understand what's about to happen in this inflatable hot tub down here in front of me. Um, it's awesome, sometimes we get it out and just have hot tub day as a staff and the, I'm kidding, that's gross, we don't do that, all right. That's definitely a joke. All right, watch this. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Like, they don't even know how long, it was just so long that they were like, Long time. So to all of you who think I talk too long on a Sunday, I just want to say, suck it up. At least I'm not Peter. At least, the, at least you can put a clock on it and you know you're going to get to lunch. Probably. All right. And he's strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves 
from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were what? Baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Then a couple days later, this happens again, like 5,000 people join the church in the first few days of its existence. Now here's what's interesting about this. When you see this word baptized here in Acts chapter two, um, most scholars of the Bible, most people who study this would tell you there's no way that that means baptized in water. It's not, it's not, so all of this is happening in Jerusalem near the temple. That's where all of this is unfolding because that's where everybody would have been for the Feast of Pentecost. So all of this is unfolding there. There is no water source nearby. Like there's no, there's no river running right down through, through there. there there's, so that it's, the idea that this is water baptism is extremely unlikely. Um, which is a problem, because like there are entire denominations built around the idea that you're not going to heaven and you don't really have a relationship with Jesus until you're water baptized. We don't really think that that's an accurate portrayal of what's going on in, in the scripture. Is this too heady for you guys? Can I go here with you this morning? Is that all right? All right, so, so what is it? What's actually happening? Well, it's what we would call in Christian doctrine, in the Christian theology, the first baptism. There are actually three baptisms in the New Testament. The first is baptism into the family of God. It's when you realize, oh my goodness, I need a savior. I need to repent and believe in Jesus. And then I, I become, it's a spiritual baptism where I am cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes, all of my guilt, all of my shame is washed away. So if you've had that moment where you put your faith in Jesus, good news, when God looks at you, he does not see sin and mistakes and past and shame and regret. He only sees the perfectly cleansed you through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the first baptism. The second baptism, we'll talk about in a second, it is the water baptism, and then we don't have time today, but there's a third baptism with a, whole, which, uh, a handful of you who went through Freedom Group uh, and did retreat this weekend, you know all about that one. It is being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is to be filled with the power of God to go accomplish the work of ministry that you are called to. So there's three. Um, and, and so here, it, it literally means to be washed in the blood of Jesus, to repent and to have this moment of transformation and regeneration take place. So then you'd ask, okay, well, like, where do we see the water baptism? Well, obviously, we saw Jesus participate in water baptism. We'll talk about that story in a minute. But I want to show you that water baptism is in the early church history. It is a part of the New Testament. In fact, what a lot of people don't know is that Christians did not invent water baptism, this idea of full immersion in water. This actually existed in some sects of the Jewish tradition, S-E-C-T-S. So in some, in some pockets of, of Jewish faith, bab, water baptism, immersion baptism existed. In fact, some groups, it was the way that they would, they would convert a Gentile, someone who was not born Jewish, into the Jewish faith, it was through a water baptism. Now, like a lot of things Jewish, it had a lot of religious rigidity to it, like the exact right amount of water had to be used and, and it had to all be done a, a certain way. Um, some groups used it in place of circ circumcision. Can I get an amen? 
Some are like, some, so if you were going to join the Jewish faith, you're probably like, I'm going to go to that one. That little group over there, like, I like them, right? Uh, and then obviously you see John the Baptist. So, so John baptizing people in the river and telling them to repent of their sins, actually this idea of immersion baptism wouldn't have been all that foreign. Uh, to, to, that's why people were pretty open to participating in it. Um, but water baptism does take place in the early church, in the New Testament church. In fact, one of the instances I can show you is where we see two out of the three baptisms takes place. And there's this apostle named Philip, who if you read about Philip, like some of the coolest stuff in the New Testament happens to Philip. And we're gonna pick up this story where an angel had come to him and said, hey Philip, God wants you to go to this certain place. He's got an assignment for you. There's somebody you're gonna meet there that you're gonna share the gospel with. And so he does that out of obedience. But uh, Philip also had crazy things happen like, like, like he gets like transported like Star Trek. Like literally, like God picks him up out of one city and like, boom, and he appears in another city. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Have any of you all had that happen? I haven't either. I mean, if, I, if that happened to me, I would assume that somebody put something in my drink. You know what I'm saying? Like, they told me after the first service, this is... I have to, but they told me after the first service that it was just, they were like, maybe that's how it happens, pastor. (laughs) So Philip does as he's told, he comes to this place and he's waiting, and while he's waiting, an Ethiopian eunuch, a high-ranking official, had been in Jerusalem worshiping But you get the sense reading the story, he doesn't fully understand what he's worshiping, and he's searching. And he's riding in the carriage now on his way back home, and he's actually reading the scriptures. And it says, uh, Philip, oh, I was there already. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, hey man, do you know what you're reading? Do Do you have any idea what this is all about? And the man replied, how can I? unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. And if you read the story, you'll see that he was reading in the book of Isaiah one of, and Isaiah has a bunch of these, one of the prophecies about the coming Messiah, the Christ. And so talk about a setup. Philip's like, hey, you were reading about Jesus. Let me tell you all about him. And as they were writing... At some point, the, this Ethiopian official experiences the first baptism. He, he decides to put his faith in Jesus. Philip leads him to Jesus in that carriage. I mean, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? So, that's the, so the, that's the first baptism. But then as they're writing, if we skip ahead a little bit in verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip did what? Baptized him. So clearly, this is not the same thing that's happening in Acts chapter 2, because there's no water in Acts chapter 2. So this Ethiopian eunuch experiences two baptisms right here in this. We see them both in the same story. He's baptized into the family of God. He, He converts. He receives Jesus. 
He confesses Jesus as Messiah, as Christ. And then he goes public with his faith in water baptism. It's this moment where we say, I, I now identify with Jesus in death and resurrection. And water baptism is symbolic of when we go under the water, I have died to my old self. There's a version of me that lived without Jesus. But now I have surrendered my life to Jesus. And when I come up out of the water, I identify with Christ in resurrection. And I am now a new, I'm, I want the whole world to know I'm a new person and I am a follower of Jesus. And this Ethiopian eunuch experiences both of those. Pretty awesome story, isn't it? So let's talk a little bit more just about that first, uh, that first baptism. I just want to make sure we have clarity on, on what's happening there. Um, in fact, there's a really cool story in John chapter 3, similar to the, the early believers who said to Peter, like, what do we do? Tell us what to do. There's a story in, in John of a, a religious teacher, a Jewish teacher, a religious leader named Nicodemus having a conversation with Jesus. In fact, um, if you followed the television series, The Chosen, I, I actually kind of, this is one of my favorite moments in that program is is the way they portray the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, because we don't actually know, but the way they imagine it really feels like that could have been how it went. I mean, it's just really beautifully uh, done. And we, we don't know if that's accurate or not, but it's, it's cool to imagine that that might be how this conversation went. And Nicodemus is saying to Jesus, tell me what to do. I need, like, I need to know. And Jesus replies to Nicodemus. He says, I'm going to tell you the truth. Unless you are what? Born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So this is where you, if you've heard the phrase born again Christian, it literally comes from Jesus. This is where we get the idea. And Nicodemus responds the way a lot of people would. He has a very logical response to Jesus saying, hey, you're going to have to be born again. He says, uh, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I mean, that's weird, right? Like, think about it. Not for too long, but just think about it. <laughs> this is, and Nicodemus is like, I don't, Jesus, that doesn't even make sense to me. And Jesus replies, I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And you might be thinking, well, there it is. There's water baptism. Nope. In fact, in the Hebrew tradition, to say born of water had a very specific meaning. You could even think about this today um, when you think about people who choose not to give birth in a, in a medical setting or in a hospital but choose to do like home birth. Oftentimes they... They um, will choose to sit in a bathtub or um, a little kiddie pool, and, and it's full of what? Water. So the, in fact, a, a huge piece of giving birth to a baby. I'll never forget when my daughter was born, the way we knew it was time to go to the hospital is my wife yelled, my, yep, it's time to go, Right? And then yelled at me every bump we hit on the way there. <laughs> I'm like, do you want to get there or not? Come on. 
So born of water in the Hebrew tradition was actually a reference, a reference to your literal physical birth. So when Jesus says, hey, Nicodemus, you've got to be born the first time. That's your physical birth. But he says there's also a spiritual rebirth that needs to take place, that where, where there's a cleansing, where there's a repentance, where there's a realization, oh, my gosh, I need a Savior. I need Jesus. So Jesus is literally walking Nicodemus now through the idea of the first baptism, which is to be born again, to be made new. This is why the New Testament is full of references to like, hey, the old you is gone and now the new has come. Paul talks all the time about being made new, getting yourself into alignment with this new version of yourself that has been made available through Jesus. And and it's actually the same, it's this conversation, y'all, Later in this conversation where we get the most well-known scripture of all time, and Jesus says to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Why? So that you could get reborn. That's what he's, it's the conversation that they're having. You skip ahead to verse 20, and he says, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear those sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light, so what? Others. So Jesus now is even hinting, I think, towards that second baptism, which is the, the water baptism. And, 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 and he's saying, like, look, hey, this, this, there's a public piece to this whole deal so that others can see that you're doing what God wants. And so I just, I just want to say this as gently and respectfully as I possibly can, but one of the things that we hear oftentimes in church is people say things like, well, my faith is very private for me. And And I understand the logic that gets you there. My deal is like, Jesus says it's not. (laughs) So like, I I just want you to wrestle with that. I'm not trying to poke at you, I'm not trying to offend you, I'm just saying like, who's right? Probably Jesus, right? (laughs) Probably, seems like a safe bet. And so the the reason we do water baptism, the reason we make a big deal out of it, the reason we throw a big fat party every time somebody goes under and comes back out is because we're celebrating with you as you take that step in your spiritual journey and you say, I've had my first baptism and Jesus has saved me and my heart has been cleansed. But also, it's important that others see that I don't live in darkness anymore. I have stepped into the light And I don't have it all figured out yet. I'm not perfect, but my life belongs to Jesus. Can I hear an amen, somebody? And so um, here's how you take weeks of teaching on doctrine that that we could take the time to do and try to sum it up into one paragraph. This is what I've written for you. Is this, this, this. Water baptism is participating in a public and holy sacrament. Now, across all different versions of Christianity, one thing that you'll, know, you'll find consistent is usually all of them share at least two holy sacraments. One is the Lord's Supper, communion, where we eat the bread and uh, drink the wine, or, or, or in our version, grape juice, because we're not sure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just easier to get grape juice. That's one of the holy sacraments. Baptism is the, is the other. In fact, in our, in our church, our expression of faith, we, we actually believe there's a third sacrament, and it's the, the covenant that happens in marriage, but we don't have time to talk about all that today. All three are following in the example of Jesus. 
He participated in the Lord's Supper. He was water baptized. He will one day be with all of us at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the fulfillment of the covenant. And so baptism is participating in a public and holy sacrament. It signifies to the world that I am a follower of Jesus. Say amen if that's you. It demonstrates that I was once dead in sin but have been reborn into a new life in Christ. It is an outward expression of the spiritual cleansing and regeneration Christ is performing in me. That's what water baptism is all about. So as we wrap this up, what I want to do now is look at the story of Jesus when he set this example for us in water baptism. When he allows his cousin, John the Baptist, to baptize, in fact, not allows it, he, he demands it. He comes to John and says, hey, you, you, you need to baptize me. Why? And this is one of the ways that we know water baptism is not the conversion moment. Because Jesus didn't need to be saved. He was savior. Right? So Jesus wasn't like, hey, John, I'm ready. Time to give my heart to myself. Right? No, no, no. There's, here, there's two reasons that, that Jesus participates in water baptism. Number one, he does it to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. Right? So just like we talked about last week, later on in Acts, there's a group of, of Jews called the Bereans who, to prove Paul and Silas to be correct in their teaching about Jesus, they use the Old Testament scripture. So they search the scriptures looking for truth to confirm that Jesus is who the apostles say he is. So, so part of the reason Jesus participates in this water baptism with John is it fulfills prophecy about who the Christ will be, who the Messiah will be. The second reason is to give us this example and this beautiful public moment that happens. It's one of the only times that we see in scripture this interaction between God the Father and his son. And so Jesus comes to John, he says, hey man, you gotta baptize me, and John's like, I can't baptize you, I'm not worthy to do that. And Jesus is like, I know, but I want you to do it anyway. And then John makes a good choice, he obeys Jesus. And we pick it up in, in Matthew 3.16, it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open. Now, I just wanna pause for a second, I wanna talk to those of you who are gonna get baptized today. Those of you who plan to, and those of you who are kind of thinking right now, maybe even like, I might need to do this. And you might, and we're ready for you. So like, I, I don't think when you come up out of the water, like I don't think that the ceiling is gonna peel back like a tin can. Um, as cool as that would be, it seems expensive. <laughs> to fix, I don't. So I don't know, I don't think the, the heavens literally will open for any of you today when you come up out of the water because you're, you're not Jesus. But you know what I think could happen is it could feel like it. It could feel like the heavens open and it could feel like you're having a real encounter with God today as you take this step in your spiritual journey. The heavens open and he saw the spirit of God descend like a dove. Again, I, I don't think a physical bird's gonna fly down and land on anybody. It's not totally impossible. We've had some birds get trapped in the building before. <laughs> Didn't turn out well for them. I know, I felt bad too, but. But I do think 
in your moment of water baptism, you might sense the presence of God coming to rest on your life. I hope that you experience that. And then a voice from heaven said, this is what? My son, whom what? I love, with whom I am well pleased. Now, if you, take, if you were to participate in one of our Fresh Start small groups, this is one of the weeks, one of the sessions we spend on this because it helps us have an accurate view of our Heavenly Father. Side note, free tip, if you're a parent and you're looking for a model for parenting, go to the best dad ever and learn from him. Who in this moment says, that's my kid and I love him and I'm pleased with him. In his case, he could be pleased with everything Jesus did because he was perfect. You're, you're probably not gonna be. But you can still be proud of your children. You can let them know all the time. And so there's three things that happen, and I think happen even for us when we go take steps in our spiritual journey and have moments like the one we're about to have today in water baptism. I, I hope that you sense your heavenly Father saying this to you this morning. And even, even if you're not even thinking about baptism today or if it's something you've already participated in the past and, and it's not on the radar for you today, that's cool, I understand. Some of us need to hear this anyway. You need to be reminded about your heavenly Father's heart towards you. Because I believe he says to us today, hey, you are my kid. Like, and I just want you to know, as you get baptized today, your heavenly Father is like, that's my, da- that's my daughter. That's my son. You see him down there? You see him get going, coming up out of the water, not caring what anybody thinks about them, not, not caring, who, in fact, celebrating that, that, that being watched right now? That's, that's my kid right now. Which is what? It's acceptance. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that Jesus accepts me just the way that I am. Acid and everything. Hey, listen, some of y'all, you're sitting in here today or you're watching online and you've never come to Jesus because somewhere inside of you, you've believed that you're too messed up, that you're too broken, that you've made too many mistakes. And you're thinking, I gotta get my act together before I can come to Jesus. And I just wanna help you with that today and say, no, 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 that's all backwards. You come to Jesus as you are. In fact, I would submit to you that you can't get your act together without him. And he, he wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your life right now, he will accept you right there. Now, he won't leave you alone. He's, he's, the Holy Spirit's going to start working on you, and there's, there's going to be work to do. There's going to be changes to make. But you don't make the changes first. This isn't a behavior modification program. This is a relationship with Jesus. Any exception? And then he says to his son, Jesus, the same thing he's saying to you today, which is, love you. And man, some of us have dealt with so much pain and so many jacked up scenarios in our life, look, we don't even know how to receive that. 
And I just pray right now in this very moment that for some of you who've never really experienced love, unconditional love, the love of God, that in this moment right now, he would just, the Holy Spirit would just be wrapping his arms. That right there where you're sitting, you're experiencing a supernatural bear hug. And that you would just, for the, maybe even for the first time ever, begin to believe, oh my goodness, he loves me. He loves me. And I wouldn't be a preacher if I didn't have a bunch of words that start with the same letter. So that's, what is that? It's affection. He accepts us. And he gives affection to us. I hope when you get baptized today, you sense that, man, God accepts me just the way that I am. And he's got so much love and affection for me. And then he says, I want you to know I'm, I'm also proud of you. Which is affirmation not not affirmation of every decision you make not aff- not affirmation of every idea you have about yourself but just hey that's my kid and I love him and every time you take a step towards Jesus he's like so proud so parents some of your parents know what it's like like my, my little boy plays little league baseball and my pride meter doesn't wiggle that much based on whether or not he gets a hit or a strikeout. I'm just like, hey, that's my, that's my kid. That's my kid right there. That's my boy. And your heavenly father feels that way about you. He says, that's my, that's my son, that's my daughter, and I love them. And man, I'm proud of them. They're living a life that sometimes is not that easy, but they keep they keep moving forward and they keep learning how to serve me and they keep surrendering to me and they keep learning from me and they keep studying the scriptures and they keep letting my Holy Spirit bring them, prompts to them and guide them and direct them and comfort them and coach them and I'm, I'm so proud of them. And I wonder if you've experienced that. His acceptance, his affection his affirmation. In just a moment, we're going to do this baptism thing, but first I want everybody in the room, if you would, just close your eyes for a moment, and I want to ask you, before we do the second baptism, have you received the first? Have you received the first baptism? Have you had the moment where you recognize you need a Savior, and you need a relationship with Jesus, and you need to surrender your life to him. And if that's you, I want to invite you right now to make that decision. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front of the room, but I want to know if you're in the room. You say, Michael, I need Jesus. I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Would you just, real quick, would you just wave your hand at me and just let me know that you're in the room? Like, I need Jesus. I see it. 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 Good job. That's so awesome. Thank you. I see it proud of you. God's proud of you. Anybody else real quick? So good. So if you raised your hand, I'm going to help you with words. I just want you to pray right now. You guys who are watching online, I can't, I can't see if you're raising your hand, but that's okay. God, God knows what's going on with you and you can participate in this as well. This, this first baptism, this moment of surrender to Jesus. There's, there was a bunch of hands in here, church. So can we just all 
pray this prayer out loud as a way of welcoming new family members into the body of Christ and, and, and just make it, it'll make it a little more comfortable for them and show some support. So can we all just, just repeat after me, just say, Dear Jesus, today I surrender to you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross. You paid for sin. And I believe you rose from the dead. And from this day on, my life belongs to you. Please forgive me for all the time I've spent wandering on my own. From this day on, you're my Lord, you're my King, you are my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate church as heaven gets bigger this morning? So awesome. Stand to your feet with me if you would. Those of you who are already prepared to get baptized, I want you to go ahead and begin to line up to my right, your left. Our team's gonna meet you right here and get you all set up. But some of you just raised your hand and made that decision. Others of you made that decision weeks ago, months ago, years ago. And for, for whatever reason, I realize it's scary and it's out in the open and it's in front of everybody. I get all of that. But for whatever reason, you have not taken the step of participating in the second baptism, of going public with your faith. Or some of you, like, like, a, like a woman I spoke to at the end of our last service who decided today to get baptized. She said, I got baptized three times as a kid, but every single time I was forced to do it I was being manipulated by other people in my, in my family, and it, and it never meant anything to me, but today I chose it. And she went public with her faith. Some of you have had that experience. You've, maybe somebody sprinkled something on your head as a child, or you participated in this because somebody urged you to, but you, it wasn't your decision to make. Can I just tell you, today you can make that decision, and we are ready for you. Out in our lobby, our t-shirts of every size, a pair of shorts of every size, and they're yours to keep. We have bought every towel in a 10-mile radius. <laughs> ladies, there are, there are hair blow dryers in the, in the ladies' restroom. Dudes, you're on your own because nobody cares. <laughs> but if you have not gone public in your faith in water baptism, let me ask you a question. Why would you wait another minute? Like we have taken away every excuse, why would you wait another minute to take this step in your spiritual journey? And so if that's, if you're like, I need to do that today, I want you to go like now, like leave the auditorium, go to the lobby, our team is ready to meet you there at the table, run, like right this second, don't listen to me another second, run. Hey, any of you kids from Kids Life that are joining us to watch baptisms, if you wanna get water baptized today, find your parents like right now and say, Get me in there. Help me do it. Um, in fact, some of, you make, some of you kids might even know that your parents need to get baptized, and you just go tell them, hey, get in there, chicken. <laughs> All right? This is going to be awesome, and we're going to celebrate with you. Now, I'm actually going to baptize someone myself, so I'm going to run off the stage here and get changed. But let me give you some instruction. In just a second, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to begin to baptize people as our worship team leads us. And, and if you've been here, you know, 
This is the most early New Testament church moment we have because how many know 3,000 people in one day is chaotic, right? So baptism has a little bit of chaos to it, and I love that. So some of y'all, go, you're going to get ready right now. That's, that's great you do that. But every time somebody comes up out of the water, I want you to go berserk, lift the roof off this place as we celebrate with them in this moment of taking their next step in their journey of following Jesus, okay? Y'all ready? It's gonna be good. So Heavenly Father, we dedicate this moment to you. We thank you for those who are taking this critical, important step in following you, Jesus, and following your example. I'm so grateful that we get to be a part of this and share in this moment with each and every person who's doing this today. And so God, I pray for your anointing on this moment that every person as they come up out of that water would sense the, the, the love and the affection, the acceptance. God, that we would get that sense that every angel in heaven is proud of us in this moment, that our heavenly Father is proud of us in this moment. And God, that we would be filled with boldness to go out into our world and say, I live for Jesus. Don't care who knows it. My life belongs to him. Thank you for it. Good Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.